fuck you, seagulls, sons of bitches. Now, seagulls are the best. If I could be any bird, it would be a seagull. Bullshit. You wouldn't be a majestic bald eagle. You'd no, be no, I'd be a seagull. Dirty here's, seagull. No, okay, no, here's why, okay? So, seagulls, they float about. They don't exert any energy in flying. So, they can fly really easily. So, they're lazy. You know, they're not one of those birds that's like, fucking hell, go, go, like, load, like, put loads of energy into flying. So, they just sort of glows about. You know, they, they spend all day eating chips, so they've got, like, the best diet of any bird. And, and, and they spend all day shitting on people. Right. It's the best Or bird. you could be a majestic bald eagle. Yeah, but why would you want to do that? Because you're a bird of prey, yeah, as opposed to a bottom-feeding scavenger. I'd, I'd much rather just go and eat, like, someone's chips, which will probably be given to me, than have to fucking hunt for ages for a little mouse or something. And welcome to the We Needy Roads podcast slash Seagull podcast. And uh, you've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. You remind me of your father when he went here. He was a slacker too. And what is your awful spud stereoing joke today, David? Uh, don't, I don't. I like telling dad jokes. Some, sometimes he even laughs. I mean, I think me mispronounce me writing down what is your awful soul destroying joke as what is your awful spud stereoing joke was probably funnier than that <laughs> that that today, David. If if I'm completely honest. So what after seems like months of special episodes, here we are back with a normal ish episode, and we got trailer reviews of the Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos prequel movie. We got the latest Marvel and DC with second trailers dropping for Shang Chi and the Suicide Squad, and we got everyone's favourite football manager. Sorry, Gareth. It's Ted Lasso with the season two trailer for Ted Lasso. Yeah, and I'm going to be chatting a little bit, just a wee bit, about RuPaul's Drag Race. Just a wee bit. I'm not going to go into it too much. And I'm going to be telling Neil why he needs to watch Black Summer after the zombie episode where he just flat out refused to watch it. And then season two drops and he's got to watch it now. And he's going to try and convince me to watch Feel Good and it's going to inflict his Arrested Development rewatch onto me. It's not infliction. It's one of the greatest shows. Well, it's yeah. Well, I'll get into it <laughs> when I get already, into. Oh, you already yeah, changed your mind, like mid sentence. <laughs> no, no, like it's it it is brilliant. But uh, yeah, I, I, okay. It's I'll, one of the re- great. Ah, you, you know what? It's just okay. Anyway, so on to news. News. And so, as it's been a while, we've got traders galore to go through. And first up is the Many Saints of Newark. Written by Sopranos Don David Chase and directed by one of the OG Sopranos TV directors, Alan Taylor, also a For the Dark World and a really terrible Terminator film. So uh, hopefully this is going to be better than... A terrible Terminator film. Well, I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the last couple of really terrible ones. The one, any Terminator after the second Terminator? Pretty much, yeah. 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 Now, David, you've never watched The Sopranos, right? No, yeah, no, I haven't watched it. I watched this trailer, though. Which indeed makes me question all of your life choices, because it's simply one of the greatest TV shows of all time, with one of the most diversive endings of all time. And this is before Game of Thrones and Line of Duty polarised their audiences and caused online fury. Well, you know, Sopranos did it first. I've watched uh, I've watched the ending. I know, like, I've watched that whole clip of the ending, what, so what, I know how it ends. Why? Because it was... Well, because it was you... like, because everyone was chatting about it when it happened, so I was like, what yeah, the fuck but you've got no context it? for it. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, well that, that cut to black. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and assume they. This is your spoiler alert. Killed. Like yeah, but you'd, be, came in you'd assume wrong because no one because he he doesn't. We don't know. 
that's yeah, I know, that's I know, the whole I know point. that it's an ambiguous ending, but you're, that's the whole point of it is that you're able to figure out your like write your own ending. And my ending is that you got shot. Yeah, but you can't say that because you haven't seen any of the show, so you're watching it out of context. Yeah, true. Um, but I've still got you, my own opinion, Neil. Yeah, but it's worthless until you actually watch the show. <laughs> and on that, I think everyone will agree. Now, but to be honest, I never really even saw the point of a prequel movie featuring a young Tony Soprano. But then also, unfortunately, James Gandolfini passed away a few years back, and it obviously looked like he was never going to get the project, really. But um, then the news broke that his son, Michael, would be playing the young Tony. Bearing in mind he's not done much as an actor so far, it kind of seems quite a, you know, I don't know, an interesting thing to take on your father's most iconic role in one of your very first roles. Yeah, you a know, nice kind story. of story. Well, nice it almost sets you play. up to fail in a way, though, doesn't it? You look at the other actors in the cast, though, and you've got some great actors. You've got Vera Famega from uh, The Conjuring movies as um, Tony's mum, Livia Soprano. And it, look, when when you've watched it, right, David, and you, you see the older version of the characters that the younger actors cast for, the casting is... Note perfect. Like you look at her and go, "Yeah, I can easily see the old lady uh, from the original who she would become." Uh, Corey Stoll as a young Uncle Junior, he's going to be awesome. Uh, Dicky Moltisanti as Alessandro Nivola playing him, who's uh, Christopher Moltisanti's uncle, uh, father. Sorry. And then of course that's even before you get to Ray Liotta and uh, the Punisher himself, Mr. Joe Bernafall, um in it as well. Yeah, yeah. You had a, you had a thing though with uh, Ray Liotta being yeah. in it, didn't you? Yeah, Ray Liotta kind of breaks the gangster universe a little bit by being in The Sopranos because obviously Ray Liotta's big film, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. When you go back, yep. And in Goodfellas, the famous scene where you got Joe Pesci and his "I'm my funny," blah 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 blah. And um, you've got, you know, you've got the whole thing where you start shooting at the bartender. The bartender is played by Michael, Michael Imperioli, who played Christopher Marsanti, yeah. And then the fact you've now got Ray Liotta in a Sopranos prequel, playing someone before that character comes along, when he was in a movie with the same character, yeah, it just breaks my brain a little bit. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some little nods to it in there. But like you said, I think you just said when you saw the trailer, oh, it's got Scorsese vibes. Well, no, it's just because it's a gangster thing, right? Surely that's your main reasoning for it, right? No, 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 not necessarily. What there's makes plenty of, There's plenty of gangster films out there that you wouldn't think is, you know, it's got Scorsese vibes in it and how, just how it was presented to you, a lot of it. Because mm. you could watch mm. Goodfellas. I mean, I suppose, uh, I know, um, not, I forget how involved he was with it, but David Chase and the, some of the producers of Sopranos, they went on to work with Scorsese when they did Boardwalk Empire, which was like, um, you know, follow-up. Well, yeah, follow no, up, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he did. He so, directed um, the first episode, didn't he? Directed the pilot, yeah, and he was a exec producer, so he, yeah, they probably just wanted the cachet of having Scorsese direct their pilot. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a credit every episode then. But um, yeah, that was a really good gangster show as well. Obviously, not as heralded as The Sopranos, but um, so getting into the trailer, I mean, it's great. It starts off with, a, I mean, you got that haunting voiceover from the start from Gandolfini, and without that, you know, the intro shot of his son and that first shot they pick of him, he just looks a spitting image of what you think a young Tony Soprano would look like. Uh, and of course, immediately you see that famous sort of Tony Soprano temper. You find out that although he's, he's clever, but, you know, uninspired at school and that he is going to be a leader in waiting, which, you know, I, I love the fact his mum's reaction is like, she's kind of like, yeah, yeah, right. You kind of see how as well, and it's kind of, you know, it's not any, it's the same to any mafia story, really, that you see how, He's got his mafia family and his own family and how he's trying to get away from that typical life because we know where it's going to lead to. And, you know, you've got lots of shots of your typical gangster violence. And uh, was that a fucking tank I saw in the street at one point? Uh, I, I didn't notice a tank in the uh, in the trailer. Is there some sort of uh, historical context behind it? Well, the show's set... Uh, sorry, the movie the movie's set in the 1960s and 70s in New, Newark, New Jersey. And there were some uh, famous riots in 1967 
uh, called like, a lot of race riots have swept the city called the Long Hot Summer of 67, which, I, of course, I'm getting from Wikipedia. But there was four days of rioting, looting and property destruction. And uh, 26 people died and hundreds were injured. So... Ah, so you can so we can pretty, like guess that the, the story is going to be based around. Yeah, that's going to be the backdrop, I think, yeah. to the uh, family drama that's going to be going on with Tony. I mean, yeah, as I say, I like that bit of the trailer where you, Ray Liotta sort of telling the other guy, "Look, leave him out of this. He, you know, he, we don't want him to be part of it." And uh, of course, we clearly know that's what's going to happen. But um, I love as well the, the end of the trailer is perfect because you've got kind of got this rock music building slowly on the beat throughout the trailer and then at the end it segues perfectly into the classic Alabama Free song Woke Up This Morning which is you know the main Sopranos theme music um, I don't think this is going to disappoint fans of the show but I think a lot rests on Taylor's direction because although he was a you know an original Sopranos director you yeah. do have to up your game a little bit for making a movie of it and mm. his, his recent film work has not been great I mean he did some of the best Game of Thrones episodes but so perhaps TV is more his thing, but then essentially we're just getting an extended TV movie, really. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, the most the most recent TV movie that I watched was probably uh, El Camino. Yeah. Breaking Bad. Like it was, it was yeah, perfectly fine, but it didn't really add much. You know, it just basically rounded off Jesse's storyline, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I loved it. I was back right back in there. So if, I guess if you're a fan of The Sopranos... It yeah, it could be, be similar, similar to that. that you're just going to enjoy yeah. it, kind of, no matter what, because it's a nice, a nice unexpected ride back into a series that you loved. And I, I think a lot of it, obviously, the, you know, the heavy lifting all rests on young Michael Gandolfini's performance. So he's not done a lot, re- really. So, I mean, he does look it. He's got the, you know, the speech inflections, the look down, everything. So, I mean, you know, clearly he's going to do his best to uh, honour his, uh, his old man with his performance. So, uh, yeah, um, Many Saints of New York is out in the States October 1st in cinemas and HBO Max. And we get it over here somewhere in October 22nd in the cin- uh, over here in the UK. So next we're on to Shang Chi, the second trailer. Now, I I kind of like I liked the first Shang Chi trailer, and you know I appreciated the great casting and the clear skills of Simu Liu in the fight scenes, but it just felt like a very by the numbers Marvel trailer. You know, yeah, yeah. I I didn't like the first trailer for that for that exact reason. I felt like it was, oh, this is no. your comedy character. This is this person. Yeah. Oh, okay, this is you know. It was all very just Marvel formula that they've created for themselves. But this second trailer, I think, was much better i mean it was much a bit more serious it wasn't as jokey and it was much more focused on the relationship between shang chi and his father wen wu played mm. by the great tony leong so you know in this trailer we get told the importance of the ten rings and we i think you're going to get to see this very similar to what we we're saying about um many saints in Newark, that it's going to be this struggle with uh you know um we're going to get a struggle with shang chi you know trying to be recruited into his father's organo- uh, crime organisation and him rebelling against it. as a line where his mother says, you know, you're part me, but you're also part him. So I think you can have it. You know, it's, it's almost like a Star Wars thing, isn't it? Oh, you know, your dad's a bad guy and he wants you to work with him. So it could be, you know, a little bit him. I, I mean, like, you, not knowing anything about Shang-Chi, but from this trailer, you can just almost kind of see where it's going to go, you know. Starts off, his yeah, mum's yeah, probably yeah. hid him. His mum's probably hid him, so he's been free. And then this old man comes calling. Right, I want you to take over the family business. Oh, but we're evil. I uh, know, Dad. I don't want to do that. Fine, I will beat you up and beat you up again until you do want to work for us. Because there's that line where he goes, "I sent my men to kill you. I knew they wouldn't if they could," or something like that. Um, but I mean, you got so you got this just father son struggle at the centre of the story there. Visually, it looks awesome as well. And uh, again, was that an underwater fucking dragon near the end of it? I think it was. Yeah. I mean, it that awesome. Apparently, though, that's the thing, right, with dragons living in the water and lakes and things like that. 
because uh, yeah, um, there's a book, The Magicians, which is really good, by Lev Grossman, and like dragons live in water. There's apparently there's one in the Grand Canal in Venice uh, in the book, yeah, not in real life, because you know the water. Oh, it's quite clean actually now after the last year. Anyway, getting off the point, aesthetically, it looks a little <laughs> bit like a... I was going to say, we're going to talk about talking about Nessie or something for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, aesthetically, it looks a little bit like a cross between Crouching Tiger and the Fast and the Furious. You know, it's kind of got that fast car, action, crashing, crashing, blah, blah. And then you've got these, like, high-action um, kung fu scenes. So uh... Yeah, with its visuals, it looks like what I wanted the Dragon Ball Z film to be. I don't know what that is because I'm old. With its visuals, but that, like, the... Because, yeah, well, it was just bad, just... I won't go into it. It looks like how, like, with all the uh, the colourings and stuff that was used, how I wanted that to look in its fight scenes. So I'm I'm really excited for it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm more excited now after this second trailer. I'm a lot more on board with it than I was from the first one. And of course, we have got to talk about that last sequence in the trailer. Um, and because Kevin Feige has com- indeed confirmed stuff that we actually weren't sure on, so it's in a way he's kind of spoiled that clip because everyone was looking at, oh, there's a big monster fighting someone in a cage. And then he goes, oh, yeah, that's Wong from Doctor Strange fighting yeah, yeah. Abomination from 2008's Incredible Hulk. So I was I, like, oh, yeah. When I, watched, when I watched the trailer, I was like, is that Wong? I, I thought like it looked like Wong because he was doing his whole, I don't know what it's called, the hand magic thing. Uh, <laughs> the hand magic. <laughs> I think he has to pay called? extra for that. No, like but I, I, think good... it, I think we should call it hand magic from now on. <laughs> and, and get uh, t-shirts with that on I it. I didn't realise that it was Abomination. Can we change I, the name of the podcast to Wong... The two Wong's hand magic. <laughs> I um yeah, but I didn't realize it was Abomination. Uh, no, no. Which, which you know, because it's kind of that Marvel film has just kind of been like swept under the rug. Like, oh, it yeah, never really happened, pile, kind it? of thing. Yeah, it was almost like they just completely ignored it. Like yeah, we just we just sweep that under the rug. We don't need to remember that. I mean, but arguably, I it, it's I'm, better I like than Ang Lee's one. It back. Like they're bringing back the character from it. Well. If I remember rightly, it was uh, Tim Roth who played the human was, version, yeah. Blonsky, wasn't it? Yeah. And he is coming back to be in the She-Hulk TV show, playing Abomination. So I think this is going to be how they get Abomination back into the uh, MCU. Oh, clever. No, I like it. I'm okay. I'm up with that. Yeah, no. I'm a fan. I don't know. The, the whole thing, though, of seeing Abomination, you know, a, a Hulk guy fight someone in a pit. Like, if, if I, was like, I was like getting Ragnarok vibes again. I was like, oh, but it's not going to be as funny. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Are they? Are they? Uh, is he uh, Yakuza? Is it a Yakuza like crime syndicate that he's got going on? No, the like, Yakuza. The Yakuza is definitely Japanese. Japanese. Okay. But I don't okay. know within the world of the film who the villains are, um, what they are. I mean, they could they could just make up the country and it could be like was it Madripoor, the the fake Asian country from um, Falcon in the Winter Shrimp Boat Captain. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I said, it does seem like a fairly standard plot. Kid has evil dad, trains to fight evil dad, probably tempted to join the dark side, eventually defeats evil dad, and I reckon he gets his ten rings at the end of the film. And some more superpowers. Pretty certain that's how the film's going to go, despite having no, knowing nothing and really then, about it. And then Nick Fury walks in and he's like, we're assembling a team. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a <laughs> and bitch. Then, and then cut to We're back. assembling a team. Two. Anyway, Shang-Chi is due in cinemas in September, which is not far away now. And from Marvel to DC, kind of. But, well, yeah, it's, it's definitely DC, but with a Marvel director. Because we are talking about, that's right, I forgot the director's name. No, I haven't remembered. It's James Gunn's Suicide <laughs> Squad. Um, uh, now, this is the second trailer uh, for Suicide Squad. And the first one dropped a few months ago, and I loved it. Because it literally just, it was that blood-splattered, sweary Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Which we immediately knew. It makes me laugh. Like when when James Gunn got fired by 
uh, Marvel for some tweets he made like decades ago and had already apologised for. The first thing he did, well, DC just drove the big, you know, truck of money up to his house. Was like, all right, James Gunn, what would you like to do? <laughs> and they's like, oh, by the way, here's Superman. Do you want to do Superman? And he's like, no, I want to do the Suicide Squad. And you can just see the executives going, uh, but it was a bit shit. Why would you want to do that? And I think that was the exact reason it was. Well, yeah, it was a bit shit. I want to do it better. And apparently part of the negotiation was he said he wanted to be able to kill any single one or everyone in the cast if he wanted to. Now, I'm pretty sure they're not going to kill uh, Harley, Harley Quinn. Because, you know, he, although having said that, you know, is Margot Robbie had enough of playing her now? Perhaps she How doesn't want to be defined. Four? Three? Uh, four? Two, three or it's around that I've, I've yeah, lost track yeah. this trailer is subtitled Rain and uh, first of all why are you subtitling a name of a trailer doesn't make any sense to me you know like it's just Suicide Squad trailer number two I, I get that it's raining in the trailer but really what was the point um, and again <laughs> a bit like Shang-Chi this is a bit more of a serious trailer and uh, again uh, immediately like before we get the titles and all that um, gotta give massive props to the backstory they give to Idris Elba's Bloodsport as we find out, he's in prison because he put Superman in the ICU by shooting him with a kryptonite bullet. And then from that, we immediately find he's in there because of his daughter. And his daughter's got problems on the outside and he has to do it to save her, blah, blah, blah. I mean, in that two scenes in the trailer, briefly, you've got a better and more explained story and motivation for the character than we had with Will Smith scene after scene in the first one. I was like, OK, that's, that's why he's doing it. That's what he did. Brilliant. And yeah. he's going to be the snarky British guy. OK, great. Let's go. Uh, why is it always a daughter though it's always a daughter in these bloody films isn't it it's got to be a daughter um, yeah yeah. it's never yeah. like twins or you know they got <laughs> well that's just careless if it's twins you use both of them <laughs> or right, if it's twins can you imagine and go well I've got a spare it's fine oh, I've got to do it for the twins I mean um, there's a brilliant what I like in this trailer as well we get a little bit more focus and a few lines from some of the other characters that we haven't seen yet um, I love the bit where they got all the crew trying to figure out what kind of dog Weasel is and yeah, you get your first. You get that first lines from Pete Davidson that and Nathan so Fillion. Dark, that he's scene. like, well, you know, he's harmless. Yeah. Well, but well, no, but he's a welfare. Get him away from me. Well, no, no, he's harmless. Well, he's not harmless. He's actually killed twenty-seven children. <laughs> How the fuck <laughs> did that line make it into the trailer? They made. Oh, uh, you can't make killing children funny, but they. they I mean, they, they did. They did. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I guess because it's like a whatever the fuck weasel is. Why does Weasel kill children? That's just dark. And then, like you say, the fact that that made it into the trailer, and it's even in, in even, I'm amazed that made it into the film, let alone the fucking trailer. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that I'd expect to be in the first trailer, where you're like, holy fuck, they're just trying to shock us with all the stuff. And I'm like, nope, we're going to put that in a more normal trailer. Do you think there's going to be a, a fan a fan fight off between the fan favourites of Weasel and Shark? Oh, King Shark. shark. Yeah, King man. Shark, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, John so, Cena though could steal the film as well, man, because he's got with his, really... with his with his amount of dick jokes and bumhole jokes. I feel like that might get old, actually. The, well, like, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily just because in two dick trailers he's jokes. done dick and butt jokes. Yeah, but no, his his more his character from what we've seen seems to be more about he just takes everything literally yeah. and doesn't have any sense. His character reminds me a little bit of. Do you remember? Was it James Gunn earlier film Super with Rain Wilson? And Ella, Elliot Page, where he plays just an average guy who finds his wife cheating on him, and he snaps and puts on a really crap costume and just starts beating people up. 
you know, like he's queuing up to go to the cinema and someone pushes past him. So he goes and gets changed in a in the phone boxes and like his guts hanging out and then he just walks yeah. back with a wrench uh, and just starts millering the person in the face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he if he if he takes everything literally though, isn't that exactly the same as Dave Batista? I've forgotten the character's name. Dave oh, Batista Drax. In, Drax. Isn't that the exact same yeah, as Drax? Yeah, but I, I don't know. He seems like a, a cross between taking the literal things from Drax and a bit of a Captain America, but like a douchey. Out of, out of, overly so, violent. So, a, so if we're just going off Guardians, he's he's a bit of Drax and a bit of Peter Quill. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Combination but, um, of the two. Apparently the character's that good that he's got his own HBO series. Uh, but it's yeah. a prequel series. But I wonder if it is a prequel series and they're just saying this, you know, before the film comes out because they don't want to give away the fact that he might survive it. But yeah, no, um, what, what do we get to next? I mean, yeah, kill, Killing Killing Children, Project <laughs> Butthole. Yeah. Uh, Oh, we get to see Polka Dot Man in action. That looked pretty cool. I'm a superhero. That looked, that was pretty sweet. What do his what do his polka dots do? So you see him, we see him throwing these polka dots at people. But what do they do once they hit them? I have no idea. Oh, okay, I that'll mean, be interesting. We'll find that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, so it's a weird power, man. And of course, we can't forget. He only gets one line in this trailer, but like you said, probably everyone's f- favorite so far. King Shark with his bird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a bit, he calls him by his real name, because King Shark's not just King Shark. He's actually got a name, is it Nami, Namiwe or something like that? It's, oh, it's like N-A-M-U-E or something. I don't know how you pronounce it, and I didn't really catch it in the trailer. I was like, wait, he didn't call him King Shark. And I Googled, and apparently that's his actual name. So, character development for King Shark. Yay. Um, yeah, I can't wait for this one, man. This is probably one of my, this is just outside my sort of top three or four anticipated films for the year. Because this looks, this looks like what a stupid action blockbuster could be. You know, like it's, it looks like this year's Deadpool in a way, doesn't it? It's going to be violent, sweary, bloody, and funny. And that's what I want. That's what I want right now. Yeah. And I think get that's what this. everybody wants. Yeah. Well, you want these blockbuster type films again, you know, with the, the big films being delayed for like a year, pretty much. You know, there's been loads of great indie films and dramas, but mm. we, want, we want stupid now. Yep. Uh, I mean that you know stupid. Yeah, yeah, no, no, been... no. I'm all for it. I'm all for. I'm all for being like, stupid, stupid. Has been. It's been a fucking serious year. Fucking serious two years. Need a bit of relief. Need a bit of comic relief. And um, well, that explains why Fast and the Furious took almost ninety million in in America in three days. Did it? Re- uh, you know what? I've never understood the popularity of Fast and the Furious. <laughs> We're going to go off topic. We're going to go off topic. No, 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 because John Cena's in them, so we're we're tenuous link, tenuous link. Okay. Um, But, uh, no, like, yeah, I mean, I watched the first one, and I was like, I think it was like 2000 or something, wasn't it? Rob Cohen. Yeah, 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 a long time ago, where it was actually about, like, you know, crime and small scale. And street racing. Yes, and street racing and small scale. Then I saw the second one. And it was not as good. And then the third one, I was like, oh, well, none of the main characters here are in it, and it's sitting in Japan. No, thanks. So I, I, I tuned out then. And then uh, apparently four was really shit. And then when they brought The Rock in five, in number five, everyone was like, oh, no, it got good. And The Rock essentially saved the franchise. Then they bring in Statham, and then they yeah, brought but in... Yeah, I don't... I, don't I, I, I can understand why people like it, but I don't understand how it's like the massive blockbuster that's like, you know, rubbing shoulders sort of... with Star Wars and... And rubbing shoulders with you know the top ten. I think it's fran- the like, action, mate. It, it's it's um, it does it's it's cheesy and it's action. It, it's become yeah, it's become a franchise. Like you say, it's like no, it, it's like well, Marvel. It's, it's, it's like Bond. It's, no, but it, yeah, but in terms of like how much money it makes, it makes as much money as these films, which is just it's bonkers to me because it doesn't make. I don't understand how it got there. Well, it, it wasn't getting there. I think it was the fifth film that really turned turned it when they said, okay, they're going to be. 
you know, eight, they're going to help out the government now, and it's going to be they're going to go a bit more sort of James Bondy route on it, aren't they? Really, where yeah. it's like they have to stop terrorists from destroying the world and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've not watched any of them since, although I did watch Hobbs and Shaw because I was like, oh, you know what? Um, I like Statham, I like The Rock. I haven't seen the other ones, but do you know what? I didn't need to have seen the other ones. It was, it was you could completely, and it was stupid. It was really stupid, but it was funny, and the action was good. And that's what you want sometimes. Yeah, in the trailer for this one though, he literally drives a car off of a bridge and like somehow connects the bridge to and uses it as a rope swing. Or it's something. magnets. It's all about magnets, apparently. And I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm just like, what? I, I just, I don't know. I apparently, don't know. there's it's even so, the, it's so just out like out there bonkers bullshit. Like it's never gonna happen. Uh, apparently, there's even a line in the new film, right, um, where they say, "Don't worry about the physics of it" or something. Which is kind of like Tenant when they're like, don't worry about the time travel stuff. Yeah, um, but, okay. <laughs> and um, also, the, the stupidest thing is you've had nine films in the series, right? And John Cena comes into it as Vin Diesel's brother, who has not been mentioned in the previous eight films. <laughs> you know what? He but, was there the entire time. You just never saw him. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful, David. <laughs> Love it. Um, but back to, back to the Suicide Squad. It is due out August 6th in America. And get this. Unless my sources are wrong, and it could be because I searched on the internet, it's due out the 30th of July in the UK. So we're getting it a whole week before America. Get in. Or I could be wrong, okay. but yeah, like from searching, it said the UK beforehand. Wow. So I, I, I think by then I'll be, I'll be fully double jabbed yeah, I mean, up I'm... and had my extra couple of weeks of... Um, superpowers to accumulate so i'll be there opening day for suicide oh, squad yeah, definitely. You, know you could just stream it really quickly you know with you'll have my brilliant 5g coffee. chip yeah. yeah of course oh come on mate second second jab so you get your like 6g chip now don't you it's all about the 6g chip um right so moving on from movies to trailers we're moving on to a tv trailer and of course with it all being football 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 at the minute with the european championships here in england and all over europe it's coming out uh, what better time than to talk about ted lasso season two Trailer, because we talked about Ted Lasso a little while ago, on a few weeks yeah, back, yeah. when uh, oh, a few a few months when back the first now. trailer dropped, it was yeah. When the first trailer was there a first trailer for it? We were just talking about it. I think we no, just reviewed there, it. No, there was one. There, this is there's been two trailers right now, hasn't there? I honestly can't remember the first one at all. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it a trailer before. I feel like they have. I'm a good eighty percent. Okay, well that's not enough. I, I <laughs> the trailer opens to that, and of course they did. Strange of the Queen classic under pressure. And we now have the return of the nicest show of last year. That was just, it was just the perfect pick me up to the shitty year we were all having. Now, spoiler alert for season one of Ted Lasso. Spoilers? Where we're going, there are nothing but spoilers. Because we're now going to talk about stuff that happened in season one and what we think is going to happen in season two. No, uh, so, things were not going well for Richmond at the end of season one, and they'd just been relegated by former player Jamie Tart on the last day of the season. I mean, last kick of the game. It wasn't the, the the drama? Wasn't the episode called "It's the Hope That Kills You"? So we should have known right then. Oh, they're getting relegated. But this trailer opens with Danny football is life, missing a penalty and the crowd the crowd groaning as well. So it seems in the second season that things aren't going very well again, and that Richmond seem to have been drawing a lot of games. Now this is where I get a bit confused uh, because. Assuming they got relegated from the Premiership, that means now they're in the Championship. Yeah, so yeah. their main objective should be to get promoted from the Championship back up to the Premiership. Yep. Uh, for any of our non-UK listeners or football listeners, 
The Premier League's our top division of football, and bizarrely, the Championship is actually lower than the Premiership, which is our second division. And so then you've you got need to Division go to... One, which is and, actually oh, the third division. The third, the third division, <laughs> and Division Two, which is the fourth. I mean, ironically, Ted actually asked, had this same conversation in Season One, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Taking the piss out of it. But it does seem in a bit where they're talking. I mean, it seems they're talk, talking about trying to win the whole thing before um, Higgins falls through a window. But intro, I, I, so I think they're going to go on a cup run. Um, so FA I think Cup. that's going to be FA Cup. It's got to be, isn't it? Or yeah, League yeah. Cup. Or it's not they might... No one cares about the League Cup. It's got to be the FA Cup. Well, if you're Richmond, and I love it, you know, you've got plenty of Tedisms in the trailer. You've got the Dirty Draws line. You've got the Dukes of Hazard UK version, the Earls of Risk. Um, I think perhaps the biggest revelation in the trailer is we finally see angry Ted Lasso when he comes out, throws a table over, and shouts at the players. Touch each other's toes. <laughs> Touch your toes. Touch how your long, toes, David. How long was that out for? <laughs> it wasn't too long, and no one got hurt. You know, oh, good. Yeah, I can't wait. Angry Ted's going to be awesome, man. And uh, I think there's definitely hint. They're hinting at the relationship between him and Rebecca getting a bit closer in season two. And yeah, of course, yeah, you know yeah. What's they're gonna def- I think they're going right to get a little bit. As- rom- they're going to get romantic. They're going to get more romantic. But even you know what's going to happen, bit. don't you? But right as they're about to, don't forget, he slept with one of her friends yeah, in season one. Yeah, yeah. So that'll just break them apart again. There's going to be some spice. The end of the season. There's yeah. it's sh- like a sprinkling of spice in that relationship definitely going forward because they're going to get they're going to get hot and heavy it's just weird you saying hot and heavy it sounds it sounds just sounds like someone's dad saying it higgins seems to get a lot more in the trailer this year so i think he's going to get a little bit more but also in the trailer uh we barely see anything of roy or keely we get like a one shot here and there yeah, towards we the had end to, we had to fill on google whether they were even in the show whether they were coming back yeah. and they are they're there and they so. are Maybe, maybe the. I know the actor who plays Roy is one of the show's uh, main writers as well. Yeah, maybe the maybe their storyline is is quite heavily like it's difficult to show clips. From yeah, them, they don't want to spoil which it. Isn't spoiler heavy? Yeah. So well, I mean, perhaps that's why. Again, maybe you can't maybe really spoil too much in a show like this. I mean, what I do like about the trailer though, it is Jamie Tart in it in the trailer. No, I don't think he was it. either. Is no. he? In, have we looked to see if he's coming uh, back? No, we haven't. Are you checking? Okay, I can do. But you guys okay. go at me when I normally. <laughs> I know because it's a clicking. It's a clicking. <laughs> no, I, I just um, I think what what makes it a really good trailer is they've picked these you know the main parts of what make the show the show you know the Tedisms um, and shown enough of like well, well we've got new things so you know cup run Ted getting angry which never happened before. It's it's just and a nice it happy show. It's just a nice happy show because it's not. Let's face it, it's not the funniest show. It's not I the most dramatic. Yeah, but yeah, but it's not the funniest. It's a funny show. But it's not like laugh out loud hilarious. Laughed out loud. I laughed out loud a couple of times. I get it, but it's and it's it's not it's not the best at a lot of things. You know, it's not. But it's well it's on just, paper it shouldn't work lovely. at all, should it? It's just a lovely show. <laughs> you just you just enjoy it because because you can't, you, it's infectiously happy and lovely. Ted Lasso. It's is the just, overwhelming positiveness, isn't yeah. it, Ted? He's, he's a beautiful soul. I think everyone needs a bit of Ted in their life. I th- and, I, and as I said, with the trailer, I think they just wanted to create a feel-good trailer, and it does really well. It does a really good job of hiding the main plot points of what the series is going to be. So we don't really know what's come. What you know, the main plot lines. Yeah, we're just, just like guessing that I mean, oh, they're going to be yeah. in a cup run. They, I think they're definitely. If, if, they, if they're going to be in a cup run, then they'll probably also be in the playoffs. Most likely is how they'll get through, and then maybe win the playoff final, and then that's how they get into it. That'd be my guess. As we mentioned on a previous episode, uh, the idea for Ted Lasso is was always going to be for it to last three seasons. So this is two. So I, I've got to think at some point, uh, Evil Dick Rupert Mannion, the former chairman, mm-hmm. is going to come back and he's going to get control of the club again, chucking out Rebecca and getting rid of Ted. And I reckon this is going to happen right as 
they are on the verge of winning something. Or like probably during the match or something at half time when you know they they're literally of just we're gonna clinch the title or win the cup and then he gets fired or he gets fired straight afterwards or something mm. and then well, that's the cliffhanger for season three. Into, yeah, true. But do you reckon that could come into the beginning of this season instead? So have uh, that be the dynamic because no, otherwise well, could, what's the uh, what's the point in keeping that character around? He's gonna have to be involved in the story. Well, that's somehow. the only thing he's there for, isn't it? Really. Yeah, but, the, but he was there as a constant threat throughout the first yeah. season. But then that threat was sort of taken away at the end of the first. But maybe with the demotion, is it going to... Oh, he's definitely got to come back and try and get the club back now, isn't he? Because mm. uh, with, with the club getting relegated, obviously, then they're potentially worth less money, which means you might be able to buy him, buy him back cheaper. So all could be little things like that. Uh, yeah, so I think season two is going to end with them winning something or slash getting promoted and Ted getting fired and Rebecca getting chucked off the board. And then, oh no, but he's got them there and now he's been screwed over. Yeah. yeah uh, and then, of course, season three, it's going to be, it's good, you know, it's, it's a perfect sort of Ted Lasso thing where, like, all the players refuse to play for them until they bring Ted back. Uh, and there's a fan protests and all that until um, they bring back Ted and Rebecca and the thing. And, of course, I think at the, so at the end of the third series, you know, so that will be like the plot line that goes on through season three. And mm. then it's clearly it's going to end with, I think, Ted at the end of the series where they'll win the European Cup and Ted will then get offered the America's job. They'll you know, win be, the European Cup? I think they will how win. Would they the, be in, how would they be in Europe? Uh, we don't have to worry about semantics. It could be a time jump. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but look, just look, they, they're in championship. They need to win the Cup to get back up to Premier League. How about qualifying for Europe for the first time, maybe? Yeah, but we don't know how good they are, oh, yeah, what yeah. the history is, anyway. But yeah, so I think when it ends, it has to end up with them winning a European trophy, right? And, of course, so I reckon Ted gets offered the... becomes you America's qualify for coach. Europe winning the FA Cup? I forgot. Euro- Europa you do, don't you? Yeah, I think, I think you do. Do you? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, you do. Yeah, okay. 100%. But um, who takes over? So I think it would be nice to see Nathan become uh, the manager at the end of the show. Or it could be Roy. Roy. Or it could be Roy uh, combo of Roy and Nathan. And I was thinking, who would be better? Roy is the assistant and Nathan is a manager, or Roy is a manager and Nathan is the assistant. I think probably Nathan Roy is a manager. manager and Roy manager, Nathan. No, I think Nathan is a nice guy manager like Ted, and then Roy is a shouty version. So I think that would work quite, quite nicely. So anyway, it is out in a couple of weeks, I think. Is it July 23rd? I think we're getting it. But, and they did this with the first series, it's not going to be bingeable. It's going to be one episode a week. For I think eight weeks we're gonna get, but hey. I don't mind that. I don't mind it because when they when they put out so much bingeable content, I'm just like, oh, it almost becomes a bit too much. Yeah, I'm I'm becoming anti binge now, man. I like, I mean, people. There's more discussion about shows when there's one episode a week. If you yeah. drop a ten episodes a show and it's everyone the whole season gets reviewed straight away, and it's like, well. And you there's know, no discussion about it because people are like, and the next week, the next 10 episode shows out. So build, when it's one episode, week, to every episode, look at look how people talked about uh, the biggest shows recently. They've done it, you know, uh, Mandalorian. Um, yeah, I mean, like Loki at the moment. Loki at the moment. Uh, the other one, big one was Line of Duty. Every Sunday night on Twitter was just a delight yeah. <laughs> earlier in the year until the last episode when everyone went apeshit because they didn't like the end. <laughs> right, so from one of the best feel-good shows... To a show called Feel Good that is actually one of the best shows that I've been watching in the What We've Been Watching section. What to watch. And first up, I'm going to heavily recommend to you, David, and you will be made to watch an episode of this show. And I'm just going to make, honestly, I'm just going to, this is one of the best shows I've seen this year. Not like upselling it so much, but 
this will be on my probably top 10 shows of the year list at the end of the year already. Well, we're halfway through the year. So Feel Good is a 30-minute romantic comedy drama from Mae Martin and Joe Hampson. It was commissioned by Channel 4 and aired in March 2020, which was definitely not the best time ever for a show called Feel Good to come out. But its first season was quite warmly received by the critics, as Netflix handled international distribution for the show. They just decided, oh yeah, we're commissioning the second series of the show, and then it went straight on Netflix uh, last month for uh, another six episodes. Now the good news, David, there's only 12 episodes for two seasons, and that's it. Because how, how, show, how long an episode, sorry? Half an hour. Half hour episodes. Ah, oh, yeah. See, that's 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 a good time. Yeah. Half hour and episodes. Two seasons, six episodes a season, twelve episodes in total, and they're not doing any more. And it wasn't because it was cancelled. They were just like, no, nope, story's done. That's all it needs to be. Kind of like Fleabag. Um, okay. But do, do you know what? Even calling it a romantic comedy drama does it does it a disservice because this show's just brilliant, man. It's based on the semi autobiographical life of uh, May Martin, and she kind of plays a heightened version of herself in the show. Um, so she plays the character called May. And uh, she's a stand-up comedian from Canada who begins a relationship with a previously straight girl called George, uh, the excellent Charlotte Ritchie. But rather than basing the whole show just around the character's sexuality, it adds in this backstory of May's past and her issues with addiction and potential abuse earlier in her life that she's not really worked through and how that kind of keeps sabotaging her day-to-day thing. There's problems with, you know, drugs and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. And so you get this comic drama... But it gets really heavy with like some of the rehab scenes. But then there'll be like a finely tuned joke will just shatter the, you know, the 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 dramatic side of it. It's very similar in to the other great comedy of the year, uh, Motherland, which we'll do in another episode coming up soon. Which I'm again that'll be on my end of the year list probably. Um, and it, it's similar in a structure again, half an hour show where it follows that classic structure where there's an event and then. Things get even bigger from that, and then it's just pure chaos by the end of the episode. Uh, you yeah, got Lisa, okay. you got Lisa Kudrow in it, really snarky playing uh, May's mum uh, from Canada. So some episodes she's actually in the show over in England, and then there's other things where they're on Zoom uh, from Canada. And uh, she's one of the most passive-aggressive people you will ever see in a TV show. Does she? And does she, she laugh? No, she's the best. Just, the best thing about Lisa Kudrow is her laugh, like her actual laugh. If 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 you've if you've not heard it, just just Google. I mean, I watch Friends. I've watched Friends, man. No, no, but her actual laugh. No, it's not in Friends. Her actual laugh. She laughs. Yeah, but no, yeah, but her actual like a that's like her acting laugh. Her like what actual laugh? Just Google Lisa Kudrow laughing. It'll make every you know anyone listening. Just Google her laughing. It'll make you feel good. It's 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 honest. Ah, zing. She's got such a lovely laugh. Anyway, go on. Continue with your feel goods. Well, yeah. So. This is definitely not Lisa Kudrow laughing in this one. Like I say, she's she's never... And whenever, like, her daughter tries to bring up the issues they had when she was younger, she never wants to talk about it and always talks about something else or makes an excuse or causes a scene. Um, there's really great support from a guy called Phil Burgers, who just plays a character called Phil, who's uh, George's roommate. And uh, he's just there as, like, the annoying American bearded, you know... Guy and he, like a few episodes in season one, like, oh, he's creepy. He's a creepy, weird guy who's roommate. But they kind of give him his own plot line as the shows goes on, and that's quite a, quite a nice, heartwarming story with him as the show goes on. So he gets quite involved. All the supporting cast are really great in it as well. But this is May and Rich's show. I mean, you got May struggling with her sexual identity. She's got, she's worried about is her girlfriend just experimenting? In is it a phase? Will she stay with her? Will she go back to being straight again? You know, there's issues with her trying to dis- uh, with her girlfriend George trying to you know why won't you tell my your friends about us? 
But season two really goes for it with May exploring uh, her traumatic issues in her past and how it shaped the way she's living her life now. I mean, I can't really recommend this show enough, David. It's funny, it's superbly acted and written, it's heartbreaking at times, because uh, you just keep seeing May, who, she's so funny and good, but she keeps sabotaging herself over and over again. Is it and, another sort of feel-good show? Just another feel-good? Well, it's, I mean, it's like, called Feel Good. Yeah, I know, oh, yeah, yeah, but is it, is it, is it a feel, does it have the same, does, is it the same sort of feel-good as Ted Lasso? Not quite up to Ted Lasso levels of feeling good, but you'll laugh, you'll cry, you won't hurl because that's the Wayne's World line. But yeah, it's a, no, it's it's a it's a really good show, man. And um, I honestly think you and your uh, missus will enjoy it. Uh, but I, this this yeah, is okay. this is not a, like a Freddie Got Fingered recommendation to watch. This is truly a great show. That yeah, she she just doesn't trust anything that you say. But now. didn't I recommend the map of Tiny Perfect Things, and that was perfectly fine and nice. Yeah, it, yeah, but I think. It's Too just, much damage was done. Irreparable damage, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> perhaps you can make her feel good with... Feel good. Okay. So, okay, we'll, David... We'll, oh, oh, so sorry, I was yeah. going to say, so both seasons of Feel Good are available on Netflix right now. So, David, what are you going to force me to watch? Uh, I'm not. I'll chat about RuPaul to start with. I'm, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to force you to watch uh, a Drag Race season or episode or anything like that, but recently... Natasha loves loves RuPaul's Drag Race, and um, RuPaul has created this drag like universe. Universe, yeah, where it's 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 everywhere. It's almost once you're in it, there is some show on, like some competition on. Like one ends, and I'm like, oh, okay, with one ends, like, oh, I'm gonna have a break from drag for a while, um, <laughs> and then and then there's something else turns up. Like Netflix has got all stars on out of nowhere, and the Australian ones just finished, and it's like, wow, okay. There's a lot of drag out there at the moment, and uh, he's. And whilst I, I, I kind of pretend to complain about it, but I do, I do secretly quite like it. So watching, Although I don't know so, if I'd watch it if Natasha didn't watch it. Na- you literally just answered my question there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I watch it because Natasha watches it, but I do quite enjoy it when it's on there because everyone is just ridiculously talented, and Natasha's been watching some of the earlier seasons that she missed as well and how drag has transformed over the years it's just bonkers it's gone from being this sort of where everyone's funny and the the skills and like the dresses and the makeup that they're wearing is not great and it's you see it now and it's just so polished everyone looks freaking amazing and it breaks down so many barriers and sort of stereotypes and maybe things that you like people like myself had on like drag as an art form and stuff and i thought like this new season for instance all stars it's got two people in it that have got that are um transgender so they were men and now they're 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 women and but they're still doing drag and i i me maybe five or ten years ago might have thought well hang on a second how's that drag if they're women you know how can it be drag if they're already women and they're just dressing up but it's not. And so the show's kind of edu- educating in your way about it, and well, hundred percent. Oh, fucking, hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. It breaks down so many barriers. It's the best thing about it. That's the best thing that Rue's done. He's he's created. Um, it's that's the legacy of it. Is that he's managed to break these barriers. And I think you hit a really good point there. And this is similar to Feel Good as well, in that it normalizes that lifestyle and the, the way these people live to the mainstream. And so it's not that instant reaction that people used to have where they saw something like that and, we, and would be, oh, I don't want to watch that. It's That's completely normal now, which is what it should be. 
And more shows yeah, like this yeah, and more yeah. exposure to it. And like you say, getting to see these people's stories and what they go through and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, I've never watched it, but I'm sure there's bits in it where you get that bit where there's like, you hear their, what their, their bit of their sad story or their struggle, right? There's got to be something like that mm. in it. Usually, oh, hundred percent, yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, you, you hear the you hear their stories exactly. where they're talking to each other and they're putting their makeup on, and there's that segment of the you'll sort of go through everyone's individual story, and it'll be some. So sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's oh, my dad was oh, my mum and dad were so like loving and supportive of me. You know, my dad went to every drag show I went to and like was supportive me a hundred percent. But then other times you've got my dad. Or my mum completely ignored me. You know, but what you just me. said, the first thing, having supportive parents, and again, that's great because, like I say, say you were a kid growing up and you're watching that and you go, oh, do you know what? No, you, you know, and they, they're afraid to tell their parents. And they, they'd watch that and go, well, actually, no, look, why are you acting like that? You can, that's how you're supposed to act, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, some of them, some, I mean, some of the people on the show haven't, don't even, their parents don't even know that they do drag. I mean, they and might now with the show being on the show. Yeah, I know being on the show is the their way of how okay. they'll find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, which is which is crazy if you think about it. Like this this whole life that they're leading, that they're loving and enjoying, and the parents don't even know about it. Well, I mean, that's kind of like with feel good, um, right? I mean, I I kind of mm. I just described it as like a comedy, and you got the main. But I mean, you know, it's a comedy with about it's a it's comedy with two lesbian. Well, one lesbian and one girl who's not too sure in it. But even just calling it that. I don't think I should. I should. You know, I don't even think I should say. Oh well, you know, the main character is lesbian, because it's just a brilliantly written show. It doesn't matter, and the characters are there's so much put into the characters, and it like because it's based on uh, May Martin's real life struggles and issues and all that, and she's literally just playing a heightened version of herself. It almost seems reductive to say, oh, you know, if you said, oh, it's that that lesbian comedy, and there's going to be a swathe of people that wouldn't watch it, you know. Say older yeah, people, yeah, shall we yeah. say? Oh no, I'm not watching that because yeah. it's gay. You know? No, I know, I know. I, yeah, but I understand what you're saying. And you know, I think myself, I think, oh yeah, like Lisa, like oh, a few years back, yeah, oh no, I'm not going to watch that. It's not for me. But um, again, because the show's so good, other podcasts and you know reviews said this is one of the best shows you'll watch. Okay, it's half an hour. I put it on, and I was hooked, and I binged the whole thing in a matter of days. And it, and like you say, it doesn't matter. What the you know what the background is? It's just it's just so well done. And like you say, if there's more shows out there like that, showing the struggles that people like that are going yeah. through and normalizing doing, normalizing doing it. wonders for the just, LGBT, yeah, exactly. uh, LGBT community. Yeah, I mean, um, I I um, we actually got we actually got a like on our Twitter account from May Martin because I reposted. Uh, well, after I finished watching Feel Good, I put this is literally one of the best shows of the year right now. And put the hashtag, you know, about feel good, and she liked the reply. So you know, that's awesome as well. I mean, and this yeah. this will be on my end of year list, man. Definitely, it's. Yeah. Um, so I I don't okay, no, I don't think I really it. have to sell it to you much more, man. I think you'll you'll really nah, enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll watch it. I'm not I'm not going to ask you to watch RuPaul because you probably won't like it because <laughs> I don't think you'll like those sort of. Uh, not because it's not because it's drag. I think just you won't like that sort of. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of reality sort of competition show. show. Yeah, but, but you're um, not going to force me to watch a reality good. show, David. What are you going to force me to watch? You're going to force. No, I'm going to force you to watch Black Summer, which I've mentioned to you before on the podcast, saying that you should watch it. But they've recently dropped season two, and it's as good. You know, no, it's better than season one was, and Black Summer is. It's that show. I don't. I don't understand why you didn't want to watch it in the first place. I'm, I'm, I was bored. Was... It's it's so good. So it's done. Was, was that was that a rhetorical all... question there, Dave? Because you you asked me why didn't I want to watch it in the first place, and then I didn't. Yeah. Uh, go on. Okay. Yeah. Go on. I'll, I'll I just got. I'll I... actually ask. You. Are you sure? 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm waiting for the answer. Right, then. yeah. So I, I just, after Walking Dead, man, I was done with zombie shows. Walking Dead just, ugh. And then Fear the Walking okay, Dead Okay, well, no, this might bring it back to you. This might but, bring right, it back. Right, okay, but so, like, let me finish, let me finish. Because isn't Black Summer a spin-off of Z Nation? Which yeah, was really like shit. It. I mean, I haven't watched Z Nation, but I've seen just clips and trailers and stuff from it, and it's it, it's nothing like it. It's nothing like Z Z Nation. Almost looks kind of like comedy how they were doing everything. Like you know, you'd see people shooting through eyes and whatever, and it was sort of I don't know. It's it's nothing like it. it like, it's it's the same like universe, but it's not. It's but nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like they may be using the Z Nation name just to get. And, and, and then realised it. it was it was bad, and then this but, show is actually no, better. No, I think it's become its own. It's definitely become its own thing. Yeah, it's, so it's it's really good. So it's all done in sort of segments. So you'll have a segment called you know like the horse, or another segment called the gangway, or whatever, and um, and you'll see you'll really follow closely a character. You'll be with that character and you'll feel everything the character's going through, their emotions, their fear, their anxiety, everything, because the camera's on you the entire time as they're following them around whatever batshit crazy stuff's going on around them. And the show plays with time a lot. So what you'll see in one scene, and then you maybe see like a dead zombie on the ground and you're like, oh, okay, or a dead person, or someone's blown their brains out in a car. And then in the next scene, or like maybe at the end of this that episode, you'll see how that person got to that car in the first place. So the show might start off midway through the season and then you'll slowly see how stuff happened and progress to that stage and then uh, go to the end of the show. So it's not a linear, it's not linear, it's timeline. It's chopped and changed and everything's all over the place. Okay. Which which is, it makes it, you know, it, it, it does make stuff confusing at times, but it adds to what is really intriguing about the show. Uh, and I think out of every zombie universe ever, like any, I genuinely can't think of one as petrifying to actually live in as Black Summer. Yeah, you said to me, this is like, if you was going to be in a zombie apocalypse, if you, this is the one you don't want to be in. Yeah, Fast you definitely zombies. want to avoid this zombie apocalypse. I mean, it makes Walking Dead look like fucking Sesame Street. Child's Play. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Sh- Child's like, Play honestly, still being a horror film. <laughs> the, um... Just like anything, if you've oh, got, I just had a, little... I just had a horrific vision of Elmo getting his brains bashed in by uh, Negan. So, and now you, oh, and no now you do, and that. now you do too. No, well, you've just put that out there to everybody <laughs> in the universe. Yeah, why would you do that? Uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so, God, I can't get out of my head. Um, so. <laughs> I, if you've got a little girl, oh, no. like in this in this show, and she's like, "Oh my God, help me, please! Oh, help me, please! Oh, I need I need help! Ah, oh, they're gonna come get me!" Ah, and then they're like, "Oh, we gotta let her in." You can guarantee those people are gonna get shot in the face by the little girl. You just by fucking anyone. All right. Like you, if you're in, if you're living in this world, you cannot fucking trust anyone. So is it a bit like Game of Thrones in that, like, you've got your main characters, or is anyone could be killed off? At any so moment? you do have your main characters. So we kind of follow three main characters throughout the two seasons. There's a, a woman called Rose, uh, a gentleman called Spears, and a girl called Sun. And they're the three main characters that will sort of feature throughout all of the episodes, and will follow maybe one character for one episode or. He'll just make an appearance in it, or they'll okay. be—it's all chopped and changed, mm-hmm. like I mentioned. Um, but but yeah, it's it's it is very much. Oh that person! Oh oh okay, that person's dead. I like that person. How, how you know, many but episodes? Then they'll be killed off like instantly, and you're like, oh okay. Um, eight episodes a season, right? 
two seasons. Okay. And the time of each episode differs, so you could have one that's like 30 minutes, you could have one that's like 46, 48, 50. It's one of right. those shows the, where the time the one, is different. The one thing that I don't want it to be, which is one of the things that turned me off Walking Dead after the first few seasons, was... Yep. Do they not... Please tell me they move quite around a bit. They're not just stuck in the one location for the whole season. No, no. So the first season is about them trying to make their way to the stadium. Okay, so Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They're uh, walking. What? They're walking. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Lots of walking. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just they're like, on what? a quest. They're that? on a quest. Right, I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. They're on a quest to get somewhere, and obviously shit hits the fan on the way there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the but there are episodes are based in locations yeah, yeah, like but, one episode but not will be a in whole a school season. and another episode will be in, in the same other places. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's not a whole okay, season cool. in the same location. But uh, maybe the second. It depends on what your definition of a location is, really, because the second season. Okay, well, exa- example is Walking Dead. That whole season they spent at the fucking farm, and you knew, no, so and not, you knew, not one season. even without knowing like the comics, you knew there were zombies in the barn. And the missing kid was probably in the barn because they telegraphed it so long and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, it's exactly what we thought two, three months ago. What, you know, <laughs> it's just because they half the budget of the show. But anyway, you reckon season two, well, not you, just you, but a lot of people said that season two is much better than the first season as well. Yeah, yeah, season two is much better. There's, they bring in a character who's um, he's played by Bobby Nadry. I've never, I've never heard of him before. Never seen him before. But fucking hell, you don't want to mess with this bloke. Honestly, he's the most intense, hard-looking motherfucker you've is ever seen. Is he a camper? Like he's, he's, he's. Sorry. Is he a camper? A camper? Yeah. How do you Because you said he's intense. Yeah. Uh, you know that was, that that was better than my joke this morning earlier. Yes. Oh uh, no, you know. I'll give you, oh yeah, I applaud that one. Good job. <laughs> also, I stole that. I anyway. stole that line from. Uh, I think it was a film called Happy Campers years ago, and, it, Did you? and the tagline was <laughs> that the incitement is intense, and it was that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, okay. all right. Um, I think, but no, it's, they bring him in. They bring in other characters, obviously, and it's just it's just how they how it's done. So it's good. Okay, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's really good. It properly puts you in the action. It properly makes you feel like you're living what they're living. I, and I going feel through. we have recommended better shows for each other this time around than last time. Yeah, no, you should 100% you should watch Black Summer, mate. I think I genuinely think you'd love it. You love like, it, it love does get strong confusing. and confusing. Love is, love is strong. And, um, uh, you know, it does. It is confusing because you might is it get confusing a bit like, to just is that you, the person or... that was from this fling later? Yeah, or... but you don't have a great attention maybe, span, David. Maybe. Like Adam, our guest on the last episode, yeah, uh, he didn't seem to think it was as confusing as I was, but he went straight. So when season two came out, he watched season one again and then went on to season two. Okay, maybe we should have done that because there's certain characters were like, "Wait, is that the guy from the last season?" Sort of thing like that. So, but and um, your attention and there's other things. Do you know how? And as it plays with time, yeah, you're like, "Oh, that's the guy that ended up at this location at this point." Oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, that's how he got there. Or oh, okay. Well, we saw that guy get shot at the beginning of this episode, so we know how that's going to end for him. So, somewhere else. is would you, you say know, it's a lot of that? Going so, on. would you in 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 wrapping this up? Would you say this show currently is better than The Walking Dead is currently? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't watch The Walking Dead currently, Fair enough. so I can't <laughs> say that. But I, 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 yeah, I really enjoy cool. it. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm sold. So you've got feel good, and I've got zombies. Yeah. The one, th- the one thing that does a bit annoy me about the zombies is they sniff about a lot. They're like, they're like sniffer dog zombies. They stand there a lot of the time, going, 
And then they're so like, oh, there's someone over there. Sniff and then run off a vine. That's a lovely sound <laughs> a like, for okay. the podcast there, David Sniffing. <laughs> so the last thing we're going to mention today is a little bit of a rewatch I've been doing of Arrested Development. Now, it was a mid-2000s, I think it was, uh, when it originally came out on Fox. Uh, it's a sitcom about a dysfunctional family starring pre-Ozark Jason Bateman as Michael Bluth who is always trying to do the right thing for his family and the, biz- and his, the family business, and his son, George Michael, played by Michael Sarah before everyone hated him, I guess. Um, and despite the terrible behaviour of the rest of his family, he's just always trying to do the right thing. You've, and you look at the cast, it's like a who's who of every comedy film over the last decade. You've got Will Arnett uh, stealing every scene as crap magician Job Bluth. You've got Porter de Rossi as Lindsay Blue Funke, her, the beautiful but shallow sister. You've got the brilliant Tony Hale as their dim-witted brother, Bruster. Bruster? Buster. Uh, you've got David Cross, again, brilliant as Tobi- Tobias Funke. Uh, they're they're an analyst brother-in-law. Sorry, he's a therapist brother-in-law who actually wants to become an actor. And he's definitely gay, but just doesn't realise it. It's like so many jokes about him being gay, and he just doesn't come out in it. He's a never nude, David. He wears shorts all the time. He can never be nude. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, you got the late great Jessica Walter. Is he actually? Is he actually? Does he? Is he actually gay in the end, or is he just like metrosexual? Do you know what? I can't remember. So I'll only get onto that in a second. Um, um, like I say, you've got the late great Jessica Walter playing the family's matriarch Lucille, and uh, you've got the now problematic Jeffrey Tambor playing a a her phalangering and criminal husband George. And like I said, you can't forget, this was a show that launched Michael Sarah as a George Michael, who he was secretly in love with his cousin, maybe, played by the great Alia Shakat. And of course, not... F- uh, do, do, sorry, do people hate Michael Sarah? Well, not hate him, but around the time after Juno, every kind of geek role film, as he had that, he had Scott Pilgrim, he kind of played the same role a lot. I mean, I'm a Sarah, I'm a Michael Sarah fan, I think he's great. You know, I think he's good in everything I've seen him in. But there was a lot of people like, oh, no, he's playing the same role again, and they didn't like him. So, yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, okay. I can see how he was quite quickly typecast, yeah, into that same sort of role. But um, Have you seen The End of the World, or World's End, or whatever it's called? That one where all the where they're playing all themselves. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, and he's, like, snorting <laughs> and, he, and he's and, just and like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was good. That's, uh, and I think that was kind of a, a dig at what people thought about him at the time. But, I mean, there's so many great comic actors in this show. I mean... There's, have you heard of another show called The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret? No, I never It was made it. by Channel 4. I, I think Sharon Horgan was involved in it earlier on in her career. And again, it's uh, David Cross who plays Tobias and Will Arnett. And David Cross plays this guy who bluffs, bluffs his way into a job and he gets sent over from the States to England to um, sell a South Korean energy drink called Thunder Muscle. And it's just this, biz- and he just keeps telling lies, and the lies every week get him more and more into shit, and he never goes back from them. And every episode, it'll start in like in court or in prison or somewhere, and it'll, it'll the episode will eventually get you to that point of where he ended up there. I mean, I think at one point in one episode, man, in this show, he gets arrested for trying to dig up Princess Diana. Arrest and development was it? Uh, was that the Russo brothers? Yes, yes, it was. They, so what was their involvement? Uh, they in directed it? some of it. They um, and so that and this was pre-community as well. Arrested development. So they went from that to that. So you know, for me, two of the greatest sitcoms of the last sort of decade or so. Now uh, the thing with Arrested Development. Oh, one other thing you have to mention with Arrested Development is the whole show is narrated by Ron Howard. Okay. And 
there's okay. a lot of narration in each show. I can only imagine what the scripts for this show look like. Because the characters will be talking, and he'll literally interject a line in voiceover that counteracts what the other characters just said. So they'll be like, Michael was pleased to see his brother. He was not. You know, and things like, oh, great to see you, Joe. Michael was not pleased to see his brother. And it's just, okay. and um, that's what I said to my old man. That's why we're watching a couple of episodes every day at the minute. Because if you fall out of the thread of the show, it moves so fast. It's so sharply written. It cracks along at such a pace that you forget about a lot of the reoccurring jokes. I mean, there was one where um, George Michael gets dumped by his girlfriend. And he, he's walking with his head down. And... They frame and it's literally uh, a panel from Snoopy. You've literally got the dog laying on top of the uh, the kennel in the background, and he's walking past with his head down, with sad music playing. And <laughs> and, you, and you think, oh, okay, that's brilliant, that's really funny. And then every other character in the episode, something sad happens to them in that episode, and the same music plays, and they walk along with their head down. And it was just like that. And then they'll never call back to that in any other episode. I mean, um, the show's initial run, right, it was on Fox for three years before, of course, it got cancelled at the peak of its greatness because fuck you, Fox, because that's what you always do. Firefly, se- <laughs> Firefly says hi. Um, you end up as like a, what is it, uh, My Family, was it, and the Simpsons jokes? Oh, God. It's just constantly bashing Fox. That was Family Guy, wasn't it? It was Family Guy when it got... I think it was both. No, it was, when Family, when family Guy got cancelled after that third series as well, uh, and then they released, released a shitload of it on DVD, and the DVDs made them a shitload of money. And then I was like, oh, perhaps we should bring this back. And uh, it's, yeah, I remember the opening gag when season four of Family Guy, the first episode, they're sat on a couch, and Peter's like, hey, guys, we got cancelled. Oh, no, what are we going to do? He goes, well, if... And then he reels off about 30 Fox shows that have been cancelled since they were cancelled. He goes, well, if all those shows get cancelled, we might stand a chance. And yeah. it was on Fox, man. That's, that's what I love about it, man. I just like, I love being, when they got shows on the network. It's like, fuck you, you guys are dicks, but it's the only way we can get on TV. As always, Netflix came to the rescue six years later in 2013. But the problem they had was, at this point, because the cast had moved on to like a lot more fame, and it was a big cast of main characters, it was really hard to get all of them back together in one place at the same time. So what they, the way they come about to do the filming was... They would focus each of the episodes on one character and then add in and use that footage as colorways in the other shows. So they had to bring in a bunch more different characters to sort of add into it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it right. generally wasn't as well received as the, pre- the first three seasons. If, and in fact, five years later after that, so everyone thought, okay, season four came out. It wasn't that good. Show's done. We'll leave it. But then five years mm-hmm. after that, the creator, Mitch Hurwitz, he, um, he recut the season into a chronicle, chronological order. And it's, it's actually on Netflix now. And it's called Arrested Development Season 4 Remix, Fateful Consequences. <laughs> and I've never seen it in that order. I only saw the original one when it came out uh, in Season 4 then. So I'm, when I watch that full series for the first time soon, it kind of will be like the first time because it'll be in a completely different edit from when I first saw it. But then... Years after that, <laughs> Netflix done a, a, a. They actually got the full cast back, and in 2018. So again, this is what well, I've lost track of the dates now. But there was such large periods of time between the seasons. They managed to get yeah. the full cast back for a fifth and final season, and they 16 episodes that aired in 2018 and 2019. So at its peak, right, Arrested Development was one of the sharpest, cleverest shows on TV, and it just sailed under the mainstream radar. 
And it, I, ch- I was checking it out on the research, and it did win its fair share of Emmys, man. It won a lot of awards, but it was just that mm. never. It was never that mainstream hit. And I honestly think because it was too clever for people, man. People just watched it, and they was like, "I don't get it. Why is that funny?" Because if you weren't with the show from the start, it didn't hold your hand. I mean, there's a, like I said, this, when you watch a show, even now. And like I say, when it came out, it was, Christ, early 2000s. It is still so sharp and so... The, you know, like that jokes when I told you the uh, the tent joke earlier? Like, there were so many jokes like that, but they don't give you a chance to go, oh, that was shit. It's boom, straight on to the next thing. It's just so romantic. And um, the show has had some amazing guest stars back in the day. you got Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself, mm. playing the family's dodgy lawyer, Barry Zuckercorn. And it's funny because you see his character there, and he's almost like an early version of the acting coach slime bag that he plays in Barry, uh, Henry Winkler, that he's now won the Emmy for. Uh, you've got Liza Minnelli in it, playing Lucille Ostero. Uh, you've got Charlize Theron in it, playing a British secret agent in season three. I mean, it's just a veritable who's who of modern comedy stars. And like yeah, I say, yeah. that's not forgetting, like you said earlier, behind the camera, you've got pre-DC and Marvel geeks for not just the Russo brothers, which you mentioned, Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman as well directed Arrested Development back in the day. Oh, okay, okay. And um, of course, the, I mean, look at all the actors and cast in it. This, this, easily the standout start was uh, Jason Bateman. But because how many films did you see him in where he's playing that, you know, every man, family man, and he gets put in situations. Comedy, for, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, like yeah horrible bosses. Yeah. Almost everything, almost yeah, everything. Almost everything. Yeah. But it's, it, what it, it's done, kind of yeah. funny because now you look at what is arguably his biggest role now, which is Ozark. And yeah. he's, it's kind of he's playing that family man character, but as a criminal. So it's he's mm. kind of taken his just take the comedy element out of it. Put it well, into Ozark's a... still pretty funny, man. It's still very funny. It's just um, a lot darker. It's like what if Michael mm. Bluth actually was a criminal as well, <laughs> and uh, people actually got murdered horribly a lot. <laughs> I mean, one of my favourite jokes in the show is Job has bought a yacht called the Seawood, and then Michael goes, "Look." We can't afford to boat. Get rid of the C word. And his mother stood there and she's like, I am not going anywhere. Do you get it? Do you get it, David? No. The C word. Uh... But do you see what I mean? It's that kind of joke and it's so fast. And before you've... Wait, wait, did he just imply his mother was a... That word. Uh... It's funny, David. It's very funny and... Uh, maybe, maybe in the show it's funny. in the show it's much funnier. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. Right. Um. So, um. Do you know what, David? Have you ever watched Arrested Development? No, I've not. No. Okay. There was one thing before we wrap up that I forgot to mention about Black Summer that you kind of reminded. Do I have me to of watch it in the summer? About Arrested Development. No, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like that. It's, it's when you mentioned that Arrested Development flew under the radar, uh-huh. and I just thought Black Summer season two, the whole release flew under the radar. Like, can you do? You, did you see any marketing for it anywhere? No. Well, yeah, I, I saw I, it I, pop I up on either, Netflix really. on like you know the homepage, and I was like, oh, this show's number but two. The day, yeah, but the day it was there, like when it was released, but building up to the release before it was just like, oh, here it is. But I think that comes did down to anything? the isn't that come down to the acquisition and distribution of the show? And is Black Summer an out and out Netflix show, or is it made by another network in America and Netflix have licensed it over here? I'm thinking it's the same as Netflix. Like, it just drops on Netflix at the same time. Netflix, Netflix was released on Netflix April 11th, 2019. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't think it's... I, I think it's I, I, I'm just... Show. Oh, yeah, I, not... I know... Oh, the lead actress, Jamie King. Was she the one from... Oh, was she, was she the one from My Name is Earl? No. 
no, we're going to cut all this because it was wrong. Oh, no, wait, here's a, here's a filmography. <laughs> here's a filmography. She was in a film called Bitch. She was in Escape Plan, Escape Plan 2, Escape Plan 3, Ice Cream in the Cupboard, Out of Death. She was in White Chicks. Out, she was in a film called Out of Death that's coming out soon. And um, How to Cook Your Daughter. Her upcoming films sound much better than what she's done before. <laughs> How to Cook Your Daughter. How to Cook Your Daughter, Out of Death, and Ice Cream in the Cupboard. I mean, that's a triple bill I think I want to see anywhere, man. And uh, Out of Death's got uh, Bruce Willis in it, isn't it? Oh, then I'm not watching it. Because he sucks now. <laughs> oh, she was in. Oh, I, no, she's, she's not the actress I thought he was. But she was in a brilliant film. There's a really black comedy from 2005 I've got called Pretty Persuasion with Evan Rachel Wood and uh, James Woods in it. And it's about this girl at uh, an elite school who accuses her drama teacher of sexual harassment. And it's just really dark, man. And um, I think um, Avon Rachel Wood was like a teenager when she did this film and it was like Ron Livingston's a teacher she accuses. But it really like went, de- dealt with gender identity, discrimination, immigration, everything. And you think this is 2005. So mm. all these kind of things that okay, they're doing yeah. in sort of teen shows and movies now. But again, I just remember, because this is one of those films, I used to spend so much money on DVDs every month before you could like you know before streaming and dvd rental i would buy them sight unseen from a a, a mail order site in canada because uh, canada being power as well i think so it's region two so it would work on a uk dvd player so sometimes it'd be cheaper than the cost of it and other times you could buy a film legally uh up to a year before it was released in the cinema in the uk that's how i got donnie darko the first time yeah you, uh... I was like, there is a film there with a giant demonic bunny rabbit on it, and it is only $15. Uh, that looks cool. I'll buy that. <laughs> I wasted so much money, man. I got, I've got, i probably got like hundreds and hundreds of DVDs in the cupboard. Anyway, um, anyway. I think after tangent after tangent today, and just, just a general chat about stuff we've watched. Um, oh, speaking of last things we watched, guess what I watched last night, David? Have you ever seen the film? Or... Did you not watch the football? Yeah, this was after the football. Oh, okay. Oh, you had a light now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, no, I watched Almost Famous. Have you ever seen Almost Famous? Um, I might have. It is a Cameron Crowe film. Hang on, I'm going to do a quick Google. You, you're allowed, because I've just set this on you. It's about um, the uh, the kid, um, Patrick Fugit plays a kid who goes on the road with Stillwater, a rock band, and he has to write... Yeah, 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 I have seen yeah, 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 it. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. That's quite, yeah. It's yeah. so good, man. I watched it again. Yeah, no, that is a really good film. And, um, oh, man, I just, like, she's got Jason Lee in it, who, you know, from Kevin, it's the kind of just after he was breaking out of doing his Kevin Smith films. But Kate Hudson, man, this is, like, I think one of her very first films. She's so good in it. She's, like, so absolutely heartbreaking in it when she finds out that she's been sold to another band for some beer. Yeah, <laughs> and she's yeah, just like, I re- yeah, I remember that was so just, like, oh. And then she, she literally, like, you see her, like, crying, and then she, like, kind of tries to smile and then looks at the kid and goes, well, at least was it good beer? <laughs> And yeah, Jason Lee, like they leave, they leave the singer at a, um, a truck stop, and he just like walks out into the street. You know, he's like, "Yeah, it's okay. I'm only the fucking lead singer of the band." I honestly think, I honestly think that's Cameron Crowe's best film. I mean, Jerry Maguire. Everyone's probably going to say that, but almost famous man. It's just, I suppose, if you're like you know a fan of rock music, and even though it's fictional seventies rock music, that whole thing of just being on the road and they make you look so cool and so fun, and um, you know, it's it can be, but. From my friends I've got in the industry. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember. I watched it. Ugh, it came out ages. I watched it quite a long time. It came time out ago. in two thousand. I remember, I remember so it being. A it's twenty-one years old now. 
Yeah, I remember. Oh, it and, and Kate Hudson was actually nominated for a best uh, a supporting actress. Was it Kate Hudson or was it? Because guess who else was in this? It's your favourite actress who shits in a bucket, Frances McDormand. Ah, yeah, yes. she was in it playing the mum. I think it might have been her actually. How about you've still not watched it? You've still. Watched I've got not, too much going on. No I've got too much going on in my life to watch more of her driving around talking to people in the desert. As I said, I will probably go and watch Nomadland again when The Eternals comes out, so that I've got to compare it, something to compare it to, uh, so I can talk about you know Chloe Zhao's directorial style and visual style and all that, and how it's how, how has her like indie thing been adapted by Marvel or has she been able to do her own thing? Uh, so I'll probably get around to it later in the year then, but I just don't. I think you could tell from even some of the shots in the trailer that it's she's she's been able to keep some. Apparently, of that stuff, she likes to shoot like um, uh, the guy who did the Revenant did. So she likes to shoot at magic hour, natural lighting yeah. and stuff. Yeah, which thing, yeah. Okay. The only problem with that is films take two, three times longer to film. That's why the Revenant took two mm. years because they only had enough light to film about two, three hours a day, if that. He made, uh, I just remember, oh, what a shoot that must have been, man, working on The Revenant, up in the middle of Canada, in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. And, like, you know, you're not really having to act too much. You're, like, waking up, it's cold. You go outside, you're cold. You're getting dragged through cold mud and water. And, like, you know, yeah, sounds great. I mean, that's why he won the Oscar. It wasn't because it was a great, great performance. It's just you just got beaten up and left in the mud for two, the best part of two years. That's fair enough, man. Right, uh, I think we've generally chatted about everything today. So uh, that's all we've got time for on this episode of We Needed Roads. If you like what you hear, then uh, you can buy us a coffee on our Buy Us A Coffee. You can buy us a coffee? Yeah, we, we have got a thing called Buy... We have got an app now, David, called Buy Us A Coffee. So if someone's listening and they're like, oh, I like those guys, I wanted to, I want to donate a dollar or, you know, $50 to us, they can. And it gets paid into our PayPal account. Oh, we have a PayPal I've account? I've got a PayPal account. Then I'll, I'll give you half. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's totally above board and legit and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we have that. And uh, also, if you want to give us a five-star review on the app, Apple Store, because apparently that's something that matters. And works. Do you know, it's funny, though, because I was going through all our stats, right? And generally, people listen to us on Spotify more than anything. So, yay, mm. yay Spotify. Give us stuff. I'm not sure what they could give us, but, like free membership. But that'd still be cool. Uh, anyway, okay, that's, I think that rounds us up for a week. David, do you know what we've got coming up on our next episode? We've got an author coming in, a published author, Charlie Gallagher. He's going to be coming in talking uh, to us about his new book, The Friend, and we're going to see, uh, just chatting to him about, you know, stuff like who we'd have casting as the lead in The Friend and generally book adaptations. And writing, that yeah, writing. We're going to talk... And writing, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to great. talk about some of the... Some, nice you know, talk about scripts, uh, what his, some of his favourite films are. And again, we want to talk... Um, I, 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 as we were talking to him, uh, a lot of times when he, he comes to talk about books, it's, what's it about? Who are the characters? What happens? And, you know, yeah, as a writer, you probably have those standard responses where you have to say, oh, well, he's probably got like a, you know, a standard response that he has to read out going, well, it's this, this and this, but I don't want to give away A, B and C. We're not really going to get into the plot specifics too much of the book, but we are going to talk about the, ca- the main characters in the book. And as I, I've, I've, I've cracked through it, I've read the whole book, would he prefer it to be a TV show? Would it a movie? Would a, and if it's going to be a TV show, would it be a Netflix adaptation work best? How many episodes? And so how, many, you know, how do you pare a novel down into how many episodes? Would you combine them into other things? So I've got a lot of work to do writing down all these different questions and prepping because we've got a proper guest. So yeah, mm. we have got we've got a. I know it's gonna it'll be exciting. Yeah, we have to do. Our, we have to. We can't just babble bullshit on the next one, David. 
pressure's on. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to know. Our, we're gonna know. No, I mean, yeah. you know, like, no, we gotta actually know stuff. Yeah, we have to research and write stuff down, and then like know what we're talking about. You know, because we just babble shit a lot of the time. You know, we research and we generally know what we're talking about. But when we've got like actual proper people on who know stuff, wow! See that sentence right there. That's classic, classic writing there. When we have people on who know stuff, classic. We needed roads. Classic. We needed roads. And like that, we're out. Roads.